0: In the early days, we we really had very little experience in running cafes, which I suppose was probably a good thing because we probably wouldn't have done it had we had more experience.
1: Yeah, look, it wasn't uncommon for certain challenges to be afoot at Kinfolk, but the power was a constant.
0: Paul was there one of these mornings where the power tripped out and the staff had to say, oh, sorry, I just got to run and switch the board back on.
1: This is the first time I actually came across a social enterprise, and I actually found that quite inspirational.
2: This is Level Up, a podcast produced by LaunchVic, where you'll hear from leading Victorian entrepreneurs and their mentors with the goal of sharing their stories and encouraging you to consider the impact a mentor could have on your personal growth. I'm your host, Adam Jaffrey, and in this podcast, you'll hear from some of the most successful startups in the country and the mentors who've helped them avoid stagnation, scale their businesses, and in today's case, conquer the chaos.
0: What happened was once we started operating, we started plugging things into PowerPoints and tripping the power because we were trying to draw too much power.
2: That's the voice of Jared Briffer. He's the CEO and co-founder of Kinfolk. And he's talking about a chaotic time in the early days of Kinfolk that led to a chance encounter with the man who would go on to become his mentor, Paul McConville. Now, we'll come back to this story soon, but for now, let's start at the beginning and get to know Jared.
0: My name's Jared Briffer, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Kinfolk Enterprise.
2: Kinfolk is a social enterprise in the form of a cafe located in the iconic Bourke Street in Melbourne CBD. It works by providing training and work experience for people in marginalised communities.
0: Kinfolk was really a social experiment to see if we could create a new philanthropic model, one where people didn't need to donate for the work to happen, where it could just be through something they do every day, like buying a coffee or a meal at a cafe. What we didn't realise was that so many people who were facing marginalisation or challenges in the community uh, with social inclusion and things like this would come and put their hand up to volunteer. And so we realised pretty quickly that the biggest impact we were going to make as a business was going to be through the implementation of that training program and helping these people achieve their goals and transition into employment.
2: So the idea for Kinfolk was sound but that was many years ago and if you visit Kinfolk today, you'll find that the social experiment worked. Kinfolk is a successful cafe. The training program is working and all seems to be going well. But this success was hard earned because while Jared and his co-founders had a great idea, the one thing they didn't have was the one thing that mattered. Experience running a cafe.
0: In the early days, we, we really hadn't very little experience in running cafes, which I suppose was probably a good thing because we probably wouldn't have done it had we had more experience. That naivety really um, helped us along the way of getting things started, but it wasn't until we opened that we just realised how deep we were in it and uh, we had to learn really quickly how to run a business efficiently. One thing I remember in particular was, you know, and it, it sounds like such a silly thing now, but like it was the night before we were meant to open the cafe, you know, we had to get everything set up so that it was functioning, ready to go in the morning. And the last thing was programming the point of sale system at the front. I'd just totally given up at that point And I decided that I was gonna just have a bucket of money at the till and I was just gonna do every sale manually myself the next day, cause I couldn't possibly set this thing up.
2: So luckily, Jared was able to get someone to help program the till and the change bucket didn't actually make an appearance. But moments like this were happening all the time at Kinfolk. Jared was trying to complete the grand experiment, but the reality of running a cafe and the chaos that it brought was threatening to consume him. So this is a key moment for Jared and a time when he desperately needs some help. But before we get to that, I want to bring Jared's mentor into the picture.
1: My name is Paul McConville and I'm the board chair and non-executive director of Kimfolk Enterprises.
2: Paul's path will collide with Jared and Kimfolk soon. But before we get there, it's important to know who Paul is.
1: My career has been in the hospitality industry. I'm now in my mid-50s and I'm still in the hospitality industry. I've I've worked both here in Australia and, and internationally. And at the time that my relationship commenced with Kinfolk and and Jared, I was managing a a hotel uh, in Melbourne um, and had been for for some years.
2: Paul's been in the hospitality industry for over 35 years. Right now, he's the service and catering manager of the Victorian Parliament, but he's done practically everything a person can do within the hospitality industry. He's worked for food and beverage operations and general management in five-star hotels, He's worked in Michelin-star restaurants. And he even represented Queensland in the Culinary Olympics. So it's safe to say that Paul is a bit of an industry veteran. But at the time that these two met, Paul is managing a hotel just down the road from Kinfolk. And he'd actually been visiting the cafe as a customer.
1: I got a sense that there was certainly a spike in the services of what Kinfolk was offering in terms of demand. Coffee was getting busier, food was getting busier. And I suppose I was able in my, in my early relationship with Kinfolk to offer little small solutions to reduce certain problems or, or to provide some assistance. I'll give you an example. Bringing teaspoons and dessert spoons to them that I was able to get hold of from, from supply chains elsewhere were invaluable at the time for Kinfolk to assist in maintaining their service delivery.
2: So Paul, being a hospitality veteran, felt some kinship with Kinfolk and felt it was his duty to help out. But there was one moment that took the relationship from a few dessert spoons to something completely different.
0: In the early days, you know, heaps of people volunteered to help set up the cafe. And so a lot of things were done, like, compliantly, but they were done without a full grasp on how things were going to run once we opened. And... The setting up of the electrics in the cafe, they were all compliant, but we had no idea at the point where they were set up about how much power we were going to draw. And so what happened was once we started operating, we started plugging things into PowerPoints and tripping the power because we were trying to draw too much power. It's easy to
2: imagine the frustration that Jared
0: must have felt in this moment.
2: He's in a new industry, trying to make the business work, with very little experience in the field but he's actually found some customers for the business and that's going well. But the busier that the cafe gets, the more likely it is they'll overload the power board and be left unable to serve those very customers.
1: It was autumn, we're going into winter. It wasn't uncommon for me to have a coffee most mornings at Kinfolk and it would have been mid-morning. It would have been anywhere between 10 a.m. and 10:30. I would have wandered out of, out of my office and would have gone for a cup of coffee at Kinfolk.
0: And Paul was there one of these mornings where the power tripped out and the staff had to say, oh, sorry, I just got to run and switch the board back on.
1: And I remember walking in that day and I sensed that there was a little bit of pressure and things were a little different. And it was, the power for sure kept going out and the coffee machine wasn't a constant and I remember asking Jared at the time, what were the challenges he was experiencing? And he told me, he said, because at that time, and he still does affectionately call me Macca, not Paul. Macca, we've got some major problems with the power. And I said, mate, what is it? What's confusing you? So he told me, and I made a telephone call to a very good friend of mine still, and he's a, he's, he's, a, he's a Sparky. And I called him and I said, mate, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm working on a job at the Grand. I said, mate, you and I need a cup of coffee. Bring the truck over. You've got to fix something for me. An ovary cane, and sure enough, Michael, was amazing and uh, was able to get some assistance around the power and at least get some continuity around the devices that were attached to the power.
2: This is an amazing chance encounter. Paul didn't owe anything to Jared or to Kinfolk. He was just another customer. And it made me wonder, why? Why, out of all the encounters that Paul had, did he decide to step in and help here?
1: And you got to remember, putting yourself back in the hospitality industry and in particular cafes, you know, for every 10 cafes that open, five of them will be closed within the first 12 months. Take another snapshot, three or five years later, only two will continue to stand. And everyone was jumping into the hospitality industry and everybody wanted to be part of it. But Kinfolk came with a significant point of difference. Not only was it offering what every other cafe was offering, good coffee, good food and beverage and service, it was offering a very innovative social enterprise model, which I hadn't seen before. I was certainly aware of philanthropy, and I was certainly aware of rotary and other similar methods, but this is the first time I actually came across a social enterprise. And I actually found that quite inspirational in terms of what the methodology was behind the social enterprise story of Kinfolk.
2: Now, did you notice how Paul called kinfolk inspirational there? I want you to keep that in your mind because it's important. But before we get to that, I want to finish this story where Paul has helped
0: out kinfolk with their power issues. I asked Jared what happened next. Paul offered to send down his electrician that he was using at the hotel he was running to have a look at things. And he quickly rejigged things in the board and gave us a bit more power. Paul had then offered to meet with me and have a chat with me about how things were going and this sort of stuff. I think when we started meeting together in those early days, it was probably obvious to Paul that I was a little bit overwhelmed. He had offered to sit with me and meet with me regularly as a mentor and discuss how I was going and and to set some goals, and up until that point, I'd largely been keeping myself accountable, which was super tough at times, um, with the uncertainty of the sort of startup hustle that we go through.
2: So, this is interesting. You'll remember from previous episodes that most mentor relationships don't have such a formal starting point. But for Jared and Paul, it all stems from this chance encounter where Paul stepped in and saved the day. And what's extra surprising is that Paul actually made the first move. So
0: after this, Jared took up Paul on his offer and the relationship grew from there. It was really nice to have someone else to meet with weekly who I would fill in on my outcomes between meetings and help me to maintain focus through the, you know, the most important tasks. Um, Knowing that Paul would ask, you know, the following meeting, Paul was going to ask, how did you go with that? Did you get that done? Really helped me to maintain my focus on the important things, which were often like the bigger things because during the week I'd get stuck in the detail. I'd be, I'd be working with staff and things would go wrong and I'd have to constantly put out fires. So it was really easy for these bigger things that were, were not screaming at me as much to just sort of let them go. And so that meeting with Paul really helped to maintain focus and build the business.
2: And it wasn't just practical things like dessert spoons and power boards that Paul helped with. It was Paul's overall business acumen and experience running hospitality businesses that really transformed Kinfolk. So much so that Paul would eventually come onto the board of Kinfolk as the
0: chairman. Paul, in his role as chair, has often had to do the right thing in terms of governance of our organisation and ensure that we are financially viable, sustainable and compliant. Often the social outcomes that I've wanted to achieve as part of the organisation, they don't always have a plan behind them that is financially viable and sustainable long-term. Sometimes we just need to, like when we started, you know, get things moving and work it out as we go. I think there's been several things like that where there's been that positive conflict between Paul and I, where I've sort of come forward with an idea for the social, but. It's in conflict to what we're trying to do from a financial perspective in the organisation. The advice has come from the debate of those two standpoints. Feeling comfortable that you can have these hard conversations and you actually welcome them and you want to have them. While this is in conflict to what that other person's trying to achieve with that point, but I still want to have that conversation because I know by having it, we're going to get to a better outcome.
2: So you just heard Jared touch on the social aspect of kinfolk and Paul's impact on it. Now I want to come back to how Paul mentioned being inspired by kinfolk's social nature because Paul has taken that inspiration and he's
1: also done something practical with it. Here in my current role as, as catering and operations manager for Parliament of Victoria, we have just commenced a food program for Melbourne's homelessness and vulnerable where we repurposed the parliamentary kitchens on the 24th of March this year, and to date have furnished, prepared, packaged, and distributed over 450,000 meals. The infrastructure and the personnel and the supply chain networks were already in place, but I needed to make sure that the facility was firstly well-governed in terms of, was afforded the essential services provision. I was able then to get hold of an exemption from the Department of Health to ensure that we could purpose the kitchens for that specific welfare interest, In essence, delivering on exactly the same entity and equality to the vulnerable and homeless as as, as anyone would expect, even for, for, for government. This is a
2: huge achievement, but it's a really big undertaking and not something that Paul actually has to do. So I found myself wondering, when it comes to decisions like this, how much has Paul's time with Kinfolk affected his outlook?
1: Look, my relationship with Kinfolk and my relationship with Jared in particular has changed who I am as a person also. N- never did I feel going into Kinfolk at the time that I believe that Jared would have such a profound change on not only who I am but also my learning experiences and my goals and I, I sense that Jared felt from the outset as we referenced that I was a good mentor but I think Jared was also a particularly good personal mentor for me also.
2: When you consider the impact of a mentor, Paul fits the mould in a very traditional way. He's a more experienced person, passing on knowledge to a less experienced person. Paul is older than Jared. And also, there isn't a problem that Jared can pose him that he doesn't have an answer for. So, with Paul coming to Kinfolk in the very traditional mentor role, I found it fascinating that he says he's gained so much from his time there. I asked Jared how it made him
0: feel to hear this. Yeah, when Paul talks about changing as a person, as I've seen with King Folk, it's changed all of us. You know, I've changed a lot throughout this whole process with King Folk. Um, I don't think any of us understood when we were starting King Folk what we were actually getting into and setting forward in motion. And the experience of King Folk and working with such a diverse cohort of the community has really helped to broaden my perspective on so many issues. And We've both seen firsthand just how much so many marginalised members of the community are capable of, far more than we would have thought prior to King Folk. But we've also both seen that you can achieve a lot of these outcomes through business and through running an effective business with the right intentions, you can have some quite profound outcomes, stuff that I just would not have thought was possible 10 years ago. It feels pretty great to know that that, that I've also had an impact on Paul, because he's had a very big one on me.
2: Now, I want to quickly talk about the structure of Paul and Jared's relationship, because it has a very formalised beginning, which is somewhat rare in these types of relationships. You'll remember that Paul sat down with Jared and formally asked if he'd like some help. And unlike other typical mentoring relationships, with Paul being the chairman of the board, he also has a very clearly defined role. But, for the whole time that Paul has helped out Kinfolk and Jared, He's done everything completely voluntarily.
1: Yeah, my role with Kinfolk over the 10 years has been voluntary. I don't receive and have never received any payment for any of the relationship handle or advice I've, I've provided over the years. And, and just to come to that relationship with Jared, I mean, for me, it's a very personal one. Jared will be a friend for life. A lot of mentors last some just over a cup of coffee. I mean our relationship is now developed into ten years, and, as I mentioned earlier, he'll be a friend for life.
2: And with that, this is a perfect opportunity for Jared and Paul to reflect on their relationship. I asked them if there was anything they wanted to say to each other that they've never said before.
0: I started with Jared. Paul is stepping down as chair at the end of this year, and you know that's given me a lot of time to reflect. Over the last sort of six months as, uh, as well, around what Paul's meant for kinfolk. And um, we've had these conversations before, but really, you know, Paul's, Paul's helped to set the foundations up for our organisation so that we can continue into the future. Without uh, the vast amount of work that Paul did in navigating a lot of the challenges we had in those early couple of years to building resilience in our organisation and good governance structure and foundations for good business management as well, you know, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for Paul for that, but also for my personal journey as well. I think I've become a much clearer and less emotional manager thanks to the support that I've received off Paul over that time. So. Yeah, I'm really grateful for everything that he's done for me and for King Folk.
1: We've had challenges along the way in the ten years and, and I wouldn't I wouldn't dismiss any of them as being more important than the other. Look, I think Jared knows me fairly well. I think I think Jared knows that our relationship is a lot bigger, stronger, and very much more personal than a mentorship.
2: When you reflect on the relationship that Paul and Jared have built over the years working together, you find a relationship that is more reflective of the textbook definition of a mentor than others. Paul has a vast wealth of experience that he's been able to pass on to Kinfolk, and Jared and the business have both benefited immensely because of it. But where things become a little different for these two is when you see the impact that Kinfolk's focus on social causes has had on Paul. On other episodes of this podcast, we've spoken about how the mentor benefits from the relationship just as much as the mentee, but this is on a whole different level. As a result of working with Jared and Kinfolk, Paul has been able to lead impactful social initiatives of his own, and he and Jared have continued to make the social experiment of Kinfolk into a thriving social enterprise, and all of this may never have happened, if Paul didn't decide to drop off those dessert spoons. You've been listening to Level Up, a show about the personal and professional growth of some great Australian entrepreneurs and startups, and the mentors who've helped them along the way. Level Up is produced by LaunchVic. LaunchVic exists to support the growth of the Victorian startup ecosystem. If you're interested in mentoring or you'd like to learn more about LaunchVic, visit the website at launchvic.org. Production assistance on Level Up is provided by Wavelength Creative. I'm your host, Adam Jaffrey, and I'll speak to you next time.